we're soccer across the hemisphere. Alana, did you just say it was snowing out? It's flurrying, yeah. I yeah. low-key love the snow, though, when it looks pretty. Yes. But yeah. of course, I don't want to like it when it looks pretty. It's when it, it's shit brown and it's stuck on everything and your shoes. And has my dog piss all over it. Yeah, I hate that, too. Yeah, no, <laughs> when it snows like a foot and absolutely like murders and covers everything and life is shut down for 24 hours and then like a little bit of a heat wave comes in and it all melts. <laughs> yeah. That's the ideal. And then there's just like a sad snowman melting. <laughs> The carrots on the floor. <laughs> but what else is new, guys? What about little wins? You guys have any little wins for the week or the day? Oh, little wins. I have a little win. I ate a bowl of soup and I didn't get one drop on my sweatshirt. <laughs> I was so I was like, I know I'm gonna have to like change before we get on the podcast because I know I'm gonna drip it on me. You know, like when you have something that's like sort of red, like sauce or soup. You know, it's. It's much yeah. more likely to fall on your clothing when it's colored like that. I had yeah. a full paper towel, like, barrier. I'll tell you, I don't have win any wins, but I've been really pissing Billy off because I've been leaving all the dishes in the sink. Mm. And so I really need to just clean my dishes right away. You so that's a loss. <laughs> yeah, it's not a win. It's the opposite of a win. Do you have a dishwasher? Yes, I do, but I use it, like, every single day. <laughs> That's the point. I don't, and I have, like, realized the joy of having a dishwasher. Like, I miss it. I oh. didn't have a dishwasher for five years. Yeah. Now I'm like, this is a treat. Like, it is a treat. It's, it's such a treat because, I, same thing, in the, in the city, like, you would be, like, having to wash the dishes right away. Otherwise, yeah. they just pile up. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, we have a very special guest today here at Davidson. I was doing like a lot of um, just research on her and watching so many videos of her and she's so well-spoken. Um, I'm scared <laughs> to talk to her, um, but I think it's going to be really cool to hear a perspective of a younger player on the national team. Um, she was the youngest player on the World Cup team and just kind of see like what advice she has for other girls who are starting, you know, their freshman year of high school or their freshman year of college and coming in as that young a young new player so I think it'll be fun you know what I wonder before we podcast every time we podcast with a guest is like at what point is like research borderline with absolute stalking like I feel like a stalker before we do research and I always think I'm gonna like their Instagrams by accident <laughs> like from like four years ago five years ago because I'm like going deep <laughs> yeah, it definitely does happen and it is such a weird concept like you just type their name in and you know a whole lot. It's really crazy. Yeah. Well, she's well and very. And, she, and she's in the waiting room. Are you guys ready? We're ready. I'm at my grandparents' house, so I'm just trying to find the place where the Wi-Fi reaches the best. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome! Thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm I'm very excited. I've always been a fan of you guys, so. <laughs> Wow. We're a big fan of you. Yeah, that means <laughs> <Okay>. a lot. <laughs> what state are you in? California. Oh, nice. Very nice. Yeah. It's locked down there, though, right? Yeah, yeah, it is. There's not really much going on. Um, they just reclosed. They basically went back into shelter in place. So there's no eating indoors or outdoors. Everything is takeout. Wow. Um, Do you feel like you're someone who was built for quarantine or not? Like, I feel like Carly, you're such a homebody. 
but like yeah. I'm someone who like I always want to be like out doing something like do you feel like you're ready for it or like you like it enjoy it I I definitely feel like I am more okay with it than a lot of other people mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I feel like I um I'm introverted so I enjoy like the company of a few people but not many so like I'm okay with not being around a lot of people um but it definitely does get a little bit boring um especially when I was in Chicago because I was just in a one-bedroom apartment it was it was basically a glorified studio my apartment in Chicago and so it's not even like I have a backyard that I can at least be outside in it was pretty much from my apartment to my car to the field back home and then just stay in my apartment the rest of the day um so yeah that was a little bit a little bit of stir crazy going on there but here it's a little bit nicer do you thrive in like with solo training during these times or do you much more prefer you know the big group training um I think that I prefer group training I think for two reasons one is my favorite part about playing is being with my teammates I think the part of soccer that's the most fun for me is being able to like be in competition and you know play small-sided games or just like do fun things with my teammates as opposed to by myself um I also think that as a defender it's just inherently and factually harder to train um as opposed to being an attacker because you know everything a defender does is meant to be off of somebody else like I have to react to whatever someone throws me um so it's kind of hard to defend a cone or to try and really good point that I honestly I'm yeah, ashamed I that I haven't that. thought of that because, like, I have an attacking mindset. So it's like, all right, I'm going to go take a thousand shots on goal, you know? Yeah, right. And I don't, I don't even really put that into perspective. Yeah, wow. no, at the end of yeah, at the end of one of my trainings, I was like, well, might as well do some shooting practice. And I'm sitting there doing that, and I was like, why am I, why am I doing this? <laughs> <laughs> I never use this, but it's yeah, it's uh, requires a little bit of creativity to be able to, you know, have the patience to do exercises that are by yourself and also like my parents um neither of them really play soccer so it's not like be like oh you know hey mom or like hey dad can you come out and pass the ball to me because it would make my drill worse <laughs> yeah you're better off using a wall <laughs> yeah yeah have you always been a defender uh no so I actually I mean, at the very, very inception of my career, I started off as a left forward. And I think that was purely because I was left footed. They were just like, eh, go shoot with your left foot. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I slowly made my way back the field. Um, I actually was a holding mid for most of my career. I started playing holding mid when I was maybe 12 or 13, maybe, and played that all the way up until college and played it my freshman year in college and then I was put at center back I think it was purely because we needed someone to play center back because one of our starters had graduated um and so we needed to fill the position and that's where I went and haven't really seen the light of day since so (laughs) I was just gonna say like what do you prefer do you prefer to be a defensive player or offense yeah I, I definitely enjoy um the defensive part of the game a lot like I I don't I wouldn't want to be a forward but I do miss playing as a holding mid just because I feel like you get to be part of both sides of the ball um and get to be a little bit more involved I think when like I'm very fortunate that the teams that I've played on 
like to use their center backs as a little bit of a playmaker um, because I think otherwise I would get a little bit bored back there. Um, but yeah, I do miss the six, but I can't say that I would be good at it anymore since I haven't played it in a couple years. I'd definitely be a little bit rusty. So it's great to uh, point out though your your openness, you know, and your ability to adapt to where uh, you were needed with whatever teams you were playing with. Because I remember growing up, I resisted that as much as absolutely possible. Yeah. Even if I said I was open to it in my head, yeah. I was very resisting to it, you know. Um, but I think that that's something that's so important. It's so common. Everyone we talk to has, they're playing a position currently that they didn't start out playing. I think yeah. people think yeah. that it's like one position or die and for their, their whole career, but to show that adaptability is, is a, a, a skill set that everyone kind of needs to have if they want to play, you know, elite. So I love that. Yeah. I mean, I went to the World Cup as a left back, which is not a position that I play at all. <laughs> um, and that was definitely a, a difficult experience, but I mean, as much as you'd want to get good at one position specifically, it's also really important to be able to have the versatility um, in order to, you know, have the most upside on a sheet if the coach is looking at a sheet of players and it's like, well, this person can play three positions and this person can only play one. Like, well, what are we going to do? Um, it's always good to have a couple of notches on your belt in different positions. Totally. And you're just, just, you're just happy to be on the field no matter what, you know? Yeah. <laughs> the day, like, I mean, I won't play goalkeeper, but I will play yeah. <laughs> You should see, I am terrible with my, with throwing things. It's hilarious. That's true. Um, <laughs> did you, did you as a kid, did you ever think that you would be playing in a World Cup? Definitely not. Um, I, I would like to say that I had like, you know, the story of me telling my parents I was going to go to the World Cup someday, but I definitely didn't think, um, that the players that I was watching on TV would one day be me. Um, so that's, it, it's always weird to think about because like when you watch those players, it's always, you always feel like there's some magic about it and it's so amazing and it's so cool. And then when you get into that position, you're like, I'm just a normal person. <laughs> like, I'm just, I'm just a regular person. I'm on my journey too. I don't know, you know, what I'm doing. Like I am just living here day to day and I'm just trying to, to be the best that I can, but it's, it's so interesting to, like when I first got onto the national team to meet players that I've been watching for years and realize that everyone's a normal person and everyone has had their own journey and their own ups and downs and have their own lives. And it's not, they're not just an athlete on the field. They're a whole entire multidimensional person. Um, that was something that was so kind of mind blowing, even though it's, of, of course everyone has a life it's mm -hmm. like when you were little and you thought your teachers like lived at school and then you see them <laughs> yeah. at the supermarket <laughs> exactly like you felt like your mom and dad that was all they were was mom and dad yeah. but yeah. I feel I, but I agree I feel like you really do think of professional athletes as having magic and as a as a younger player you don't realize like they still have the struggles and issues that younger people do whether that's with you know injuries playing time just everything but it's a good reminder of that. Like you all are going on your own journeys, just like everyone else. Yeah, it's it's definitely a good way to put things into perspective because I feel like when you're young, you think that everything that happens is going to be the biggest thing that happens or is like the start or end of something. But then you realize if you look at someone who's been on the team for 15 years and their whole journey through the ups and downs of, as you said, starting time, injuries, switching positions, getting cut from rosters, you realize that there's just so much more to be had than 
what's happening in the next month or what's happening in the next year. Yeah, it makes it so much more, uh, not that it's easy to achieve, but so much more achievable in the eyes of someone who's like, has the dreams to play when you realize that like, take into account that these people have had setbacks throughout their career. I think a lot of people think it's like a straight line from point A to point B. And these girls were recruited when they were 11 years old and then were in the system forever. And it's just not the case for almost everyone that we've talked to has had been cut from something, been out, missed the rosters for certain things. Like their, their journey has been nothing but a straight line. And I think that that's so important to shed light on. Yeah. It's like built in, like you're, you, if you're not failing, you're not going to ever be great. Like, you, you know, like if you're never challenging yourself enough or being told no, like you're, and you're just going to stay the same and not be the best. Like, that's why you guys, like professional athletes in general are so impressive because like you guys are, you are so, you, you overcome all obstacles to get to where you are. And that also goes with saying like every single person has their own unique journey to being a pro and being like the best like for example like you have people who didn't play soccer until high school and then they still made the national team like mm-hmm. but then you have people who started when they were younger and you know et cetera, et cetera. so it's so interesting and um it just leads me to the point like can you think of a time when you were dealing with a really hard experience like an injury or you got cut from a team and you ate and where you overcame it yeah i mean i i could think of a lot of different ones i mean one happened when I was like really little um I played on a club team that had a, a bunch of amazing players um we had a really great team and so subsequently our PDP team like our, our player development pool for our age group was largely made up of our team um just because we were the we were the good players in the area and we had one of the trainings with the PDP coach and there was going to be some tournament or something that they were making a roster for and I was literally the only person on my team that did not make the PDP team um which was honestly embarrassing because you know all my friends and the teammates are getting to go to this development tournament I wasn't I'm not sure what it exactly was but and then I was sitting there um not having my name called they literally called the name at the end of practice so it was like the most public thing that you could possibly think of and and boring when you're a kid yeah and so I that that was probably when I was maybe 11 or so and um I remember the coach had spoke to my coach and had said that you know I wasn't coordinated enough and I wasn't a good enough athlete to to play on the team um and that was it was disheartening just because hearing that sort of feedback and, and criticism when you're young is is hard to take um but Thankfully, I had a club coach that was really focused on development of a play on the development and like the long game and not, you know, being successful in the next three months of being successful over the next five years. Um, And so I think that his mindset kind of helped form my mindset um, and helped me look at the long game as opposed to the immediate success that um, a lot of people were having. And so I think that really kind of shaped my journey as a youth player um I you know wasn't the most decorated youth player I played on a very good team but I wasn't you know the best player on the team and I didn't go to any national team camps and um I you know was realistic about the kind of player that I was in the moment um and then I was but I think I was also uh very hopeful as to where I could get 
Um, and so I think that the balance of knowing where you are and accepting where you are um, and having the people around you to help you know where you need to get and know how to get there, I think was the most formative part of my soccer journey. Um, just being able to realize that, you know, that there's 16 stepping stones that you need to get through. There's, it's not just two, it's, it's a really long journey. And um, my club coach, I think, was very, very helpful in that journey. Um, so that was something that happened when I was younger. Recently, um, I think getting injured in college was really hard mentally because I had been used to um, being able to contribute in a very concrete way, um, to be able to play on the field, play 90 minutes, play game after game, and um, you know, do what I need to do on the field for the team. And after getting injured, you kind of have to step back and reevaluate how you can contribute in a less tangible way, whether that be, you know, just being positive or helping players out, giving advice, um, you know, being good energy um, on the bench, um, whatever the team needs, um, you have to you have to fill that role, um, and that was hard to learn for me, just because it was something that I hadn't had to do before. So um, learning that in college, I think, was really helpful because I think that transfers really well into um, not starting um, and, and being a player that comes off the bench a lot, which, um, you know, I had to take on that role for the, for the national team and, and during the World Cup. And I, I think that something that we spoke about as a team at the World Cup is you don't win these kinds of tournaments with the 11 players or the 14 players that actually play in the game. You win with all 23 players on the roster and the staff because everyone has to be bought into what the ultimate goal is in order to be able to get there. Um, so, you know, our journey as the substitutes was, you know, training on the off days, um, being the best scout team that we could be if that was what was asked of us, playing with the formation and playing as the players that we were going to play against um, would look like. And, you know, ultimately just pushing everybody on the team um, to get better every day and, and to stay hungry for um, the the final, I think was something that we had to take as a role and embrace. Um, and I think we did it really well. And I think the the leadership of some of the veteran players was really helpful in, in that um, embrace of, of that role. Um, so that was another more recent time that I faced a bit of hardship. I feel like when the whole team is on the same page, like you were saying, you know, and everyone's bought into that process of contributing however they can, it, it's kind of contagious. It makes and can make you feel like you're making that much more of a difference, regardless of your, the number of minutes that you have playing time. Yeah, and I think having the veterans that are both non-starters and starters um, was really helpful to have the non-starters there during practice, pushing each other. Um, really bringing up the energy and then also having the veteran starters recognize the the, the non-starters in an appreciative way um, really made you feel like the team was was cohesive and it wasn't like a first team and second team kind of deal it was it was just one team um, which I think was really helpful because you know the the tournament is so long um, and you really do need every player in order to get through those four weeks that's and that's so drastically different from our college experience I, I know yeah. it really makes you like appreciate the team as a whole and like know that 
every single person is working hard, no matter if you're a substitute at practice or not, like your, your role, I love what you said. You made, you made it like sound like you guys are challenging the starters. Like you guys are making them better. So it's so, such an amazing pers- perspective. I've never thought of that in any, in any way. And I know a lot of young players are like, you know, they might think that because they sit on the bench, they, they're not contributing or, or they don't mean anything to the team, but it's like, actually, no, we're all in this together. We all have to pl- have to be working hard constantly to, to reach a certain common goal. So it's just like, it's a great perspective to take. I feel like also like, not that you can control who your teammates are, but when you do have those toxic teammates or those coaches who are toxic, it makes such a difference in your, your career. Like you just, like you said, your coach, your club coach was a reason why you kept a good mindset because they did that for you. They kept you, you know, not thinking about the short-term game and goals, but like your long-term, like you said, five or six years. Do you still talk to them, your coach? Yeah, yeah. I still keep in touch with him. Um, he he now is a director at the San Jose Earthquakes on the women's side um, on their academy. But oh. um, yeah, I, I still uh, keep in touch with him. That's awesome. Very cool. So tell us about your changing things around. Tell us about your college experience. Like we know you grew up right nearby. Um, You weren't always sure if you wanted to go there. Um, Like tell us just about how getting recruited, playing there, everything about that. Yeah, um, it was kind of a interesting process for me because I think for a while um, I had always thought that I – would, you know, I had soccer as a, a hobby, as a passion, but it wouldn't be a career for me um, because I knew that, you know, only the 1% get to actually make a, a proper career out of it. And so, you know, I was thinking, you know, I need to go to a school and get a degree and, you know, be able to get a desk job after that and have a career that in that way. Um, and so something that I'd always wanted to do since I was little was be an astronaut. And so because of that, I actually looked at a couple military schools um, because that's actually a really common route for people that um, want to go into aeronautics and engineering. Um, so I looked at Navy, I looked at uh, Army, and you know I was I was actually like seriously considering going there. And then my coach, my club coach, actually, he was like, "Well, why didn't you look at Stanford? Like they have great a- academics and they have a fantastic team." And I was like, you're crazy. Like, I wouldn't ever play on that team. Like, I actually want to be on a team that I would maybe get some minutes. Uh, and he insisted. He was like, no, no, I, I really think that you should look there. Um, and I was like, fine, but you're crazy. And so I reached out to the to the coach, um, you know, sent the email saying, you know, hey, I'm going to be on field eight at San Diego Surf Cup. Like, come watch my game, whatever it might be. And uh he actually reached uh, back out to my coach and expressed an interest, which I was very surprised by. And so um, my mom and I went to the campus and watched one of their games versus, I believe it was University of Arizona. And we went to his office after the game and he said, we want you to take up one of the spots in the class of 2016. I was like, are you, are you serious? <laughs> both of us, both my mom and I, we were so flabbergasted. And so after that, um, I kind of had to change gears a little bit and look at schools that were comparable to a Stanford in terms of academics and athletics um, in order to kind of reevaluate if I wanted to go there. Um, 
what are the options there were. So, you know, I, I briefly looked at, at UCLA, at Notre Dame, um, and I was considering obviously all the parts of, of going to college, location, um, what they have to offer on the academic side, their team, um, their alumni network, all these things. And of course, all of those schools had, had you know, off the chart scores in each of those <laughs> categories. Um, but ultimately, um, I chose Stanford, I think, partly because its location would allow my parents to come see a lot of my games, which um, I think they really wanted. And also, of course, because I think it's nearly impossible to turn down a school like Stanford. Um, I, I have always been really dedicated to my academics. And I, I think that was a large part of my reasoning mm -hmm. for going there. And then I also had met some Stanford players um, along the way. Obviously, first going to their camps when I was little, I went to all of their um, different athletic camps. And then as I got a bit older, going to some uh, national team camps, youth camps with some recruits and um, some of the players that were young um, at Stanford. And, and I really just enjoyed um, the type of people that they were recruiting. And I think that's a really big part of it, just because these are the people I'm going to be spending nearly 24-7 with yeah. for the next four <laughs> years. Um, and so I ended up committing there my spring of my sophomore year of high school. Um, and, you know, as much as I felt like that was a big milestone to reach, it also was the beginning of the next part of my journey, just because, you know, you get the, the offer and, and you get recruited and, and whatnot, but then you also have to be ready when you actually need to step on the field at Stanford and you show up for preseason day one and you're like, oh my God. Yeah. This is this is the real deal here. You know, you're, you're about to run dogs. You're about to run the beep test. Like you, you got to show up and you got to, you know, you, you need to be ready. So I think that then kickstarted the next three years of really committing myself to um, being the best player that I could um, in all shapes and forms. And, you know, Stanford doesn't let you forget about the academic side either. So they're constantly checking on that, making sure you're taking enough AP classes, making sure you're getting um, good grades and good test scores so of course I had to focus on that too but um yeah my my uh recruiting process was a little bit bizarre um because at first I was definitely not planning on going so close to home and then I ended up in my backyard <laughs> <laughs> so when did it click for you in your head that you're like all right I am good enough you know to play and maybe take this as my professional route you know instead of a desk job like you were talking about like when did that click because it sounds like from the application point, I don't, did you not feel like you could hang with that level of playing or like that it was too intense or, or what, what made you think that like you couldn't play there? Yeah, I mean, I, to be honest, I just didn't think that I was a good enough player um, at that point. And obviously if I entered into Stanford in my sophomore year of high school, I was not gonna be a good enough player, but um, you know, I had three more years to develop. But um, I would say that Probably after my freshman year at Stanford, I started to think, you know, this is this is something that I really could do for a long time, realistically. Um, and I think it was because playing at Stanford, you are just surrounded by some of the top talent. Um, and so being able to get better with those players every day and compete with those players every day kind of made it more realistic for me that perhaps I could 
compete with these kinds of players for a long time. Um, and so I think that's kind of when the gears really started turning for me. Um, and also I think just being around more, like, I mean, every year you just get around more mature players. And so seeing how, you know, our my scene, the senior class when I was a freshman graduated and some of them went into the draft and some of them got drafted and started playing, um, I think kind of solidified that that could be my path as well. Um, so I would say probably around my freshman year. Were you ever nervous and like doubted yourself when you were playing at Stanford? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think that, um, as I said, you know, showing up on the first day of preseason, no matter what year you are, whether you're a freshman or when you're, whether you're a senior, like you definitely do have those jitters a little bit just because it's not an entirely new group of players that it's like kind of new and you know you got to step onto the field and you got to prove yourself um, you got to earn your position um, but I definitely did feel um, at the beginning of my career at Stanford um, a little bit of self-doubt just because as I said this is one of the best teams in the nation with all these players from all around the country that and all around the world we have international players as well that um, you know have are the best in their position and just such great players. Um, I definitely had a bit of self-doubt going into my freshman year thinking, you know, <laughs> am I going to be able to hang with these players? But I think that Stanford does a really great job of creating a culture of, of humility, to be honest. I, I think that though we have a lot of really great players, I, I felt very welcome as a new player. I think it's really easy to shut out freshmen um, and that is something that some colleges do see, but I, I think that um, the upperclassmen did a really good job of, of appreciating um, the hard work that players put in, whether they're new or whether they're, they've been there for a couple of years, um, and really kind of making the team cohesive and welcoming while still having a very challenging and competitive environment. So it, was, it, it felt easy and comfortable and natural to both be friends in the locker room, but also still be held accountable on the field. Um, and to be able to kind of have that separation of like, all right, we're gonna yell at each other on the field and we're gonna push each other, but then off the field, you know, we can still mess around and we can still be friends and, and you know, be cool like that. Totally, it's like a family, it's like sisters. You know? Yeah, yeah. feels yeah. forgivable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think it's so important though, a lot of upperclassmen do forget that like, it's not just about playing time. Like you have to be really awesome to your teammates. It doesn't matter what age they are. I remember like it, we made a funny video with like, you know, college players yelling at the freshmen to get the balls and like clean up the locker room and do all this stuff. But like when your team does it as a whole together and makes everyone feel more equal, I just feel like it just helps the whole team around. Like you're probably so, a, such a better player because of how the veterans treated you, you know? And yeah. like, did you feel that way going into the national team too? Like very welcomed and uh, in such a competitive environment? Yeah, and, and I think that it's definitely difficult to break into the national team because, you know, you have to play well in order to stay there. But it's very hard to play well if you don't feel like you have the confidence of your teammates. Um, and so there's this little bit of a catch-22 because it's like, well, if you don't play well, then you're not staying. But if you can't play well until you have the confidence, but how are you going to get your confidence of your teammates if you haven't played well yet? So it's yeah. like kind of this whole <laughs> cycle that you kind of have to get through. Um, but I, I do feel like um, 
for how big of a presence and personality that players have on that team. Um, it, it, the environment was incredibly welcoming. And I think that um, I kind of came in at a time where not a ton of new players were coming in. And so um, it definitely could have been very isolating for me, but I, I think that a lot of players realize that, you know, everyone's been in that position. Everyone's been the new kid. Um, and it's not really helpful to anybody if the new kid can't present themselves as best as possible because they're nervous. So, um, yeah, there's definitely a, a number of players that really went out of their way to make me feel welcome. And I think that that then instilled in me the importance of like going out of my way to make somebody else feel welcome because now we're, ha we're seeing a lot more new players come in um, and in order for them to perform and for us to see what they can contribute to the team, like we have to bring them in and, and fold them in and make them feel welcome um, because that's really kind of the only way that you get the most out of the players. It's really doing a disservice to your whole team. You know, if you're hindering, if you're keeping an environment that hinders players from playing their best, whether they're, I mean, everyone knows how it feels to be new and it sucks and you kind of like always want, you want them to feel the pressure that you felt when you were in that position kind of thing, but it's not helping. It's literally not helping anyone. It's not even helping yourself if the new mm -hmm. people, you know, aren't, aren't playing their best. So it's yeah. a point. Did you feel like there was a, like a Stanford connection with you and Kelly and Kristen? Like, was that like a really surreal feeling to see like the, the idols that you watched growing up are now your teammates? Yeah. Yeah. And especially because, there is that age difference. So like I was watching them when I was quite young. Mm -hmm. um, and like, I don't know if you guys watched my 23 stories, but I literally have Kelly's jersey I, from yeah, Stanford. I saw that. That's so cool. <laughs> and Did it's you like, show her? It's like, no, I didn't show her because I was embarrassed. <laughs> of course I was embarrassed. Like, you should have just worn it, it one day to the locker room. Right, like how <laughs> weird is it that I have one of my teammates' jerseys now? But like, if That's you think so about cool. it, you know, when she was in college, I was like 10 years old. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, like I had her jersey and I watched them play and they were, you know, players that I looked up to when I was little. So yeah, um, it was definitely um, fun meeting them and then getting to play with them. But as I said before, like now you just realize that they're also normal people and they have normal lives as well. So it's a little bit like less intimidating. Mm -hmm. That's so cool. That's awesome. What are your hopes for the national team this year? hopefully the Olympics. Yeah, I mean, I just to play some games, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it definitely sucked, like, this past year, not being able to um, play games, let alone go to, to the Olympics. It was definitely um, something that I missed a lot. But um, this year, I, I would say, um, you know, starting to bring in those new players because um, we, we do have um, a lot of players that are thinking about um, – retiring or you know kind of slowing down a little bit and so you know as they make their exit we we have to be able to fill those positions seamlessly and I think that's something that this team has always done quite well is not having too much of like a rebuild period where we don't perform well I think that's a lot of our mentality is to no matter who's on the field to uphold a certain standard and so I think um, hopefully this year um, we'll have a really successful year with the Olympics um, and then be able to um, start bringing in uh, some newer players to, to help contribute to our team and to kind of start this next generation of the team. 
Um, obviously, everything is very up in the air right now with uh, <laughs> what we have planned, but um, I, I would say those are the, the hopes for this year. And what about yourself, like personally? What, do you have any personal goals for the year? Uh, my personal goals, I would say, are to get into game form as much as possible. I think this year has been very difficult with like all the kind of oscillations that we've had in our schedule of prepping for season. Oh, just kidding. We don't have season. Re-prepping for season, playing. Um, I got injured and then like re-prepping for a fall series um, and kind of going through these ups and downs and different cycles. So hopefully for me, um, getting like 90 minute ready and feeling really good about where I am as a where I'm at as a player and then ultimately um, making the Olympic roster obviously it's a very small roster um, and we have a lot of really great players in the pool so that's going to be competitive but um, a goal of mine is to make that so hopefully that uh, comes to fruition that's great yeah it's it's definitely such a weird time to be an athlete but like you were saying like just work on the things that you want to work on and control what you can control. And that's like the best advice we can give any younger player too right now who, you know, they may or may not have a season. Um, but I think that's really great. And I know it's tough for you as a defender, but you're probably doing all the work that you're supposed to, to be at the best level right now. <laughs> yeah. Do my best. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We'll drive out to California and we'll, uh, we'll stand on the field for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Cool. We'll probably be at the level of your mom and dad. I don't know if you want to see this. I'm sure you guys will, would definitely be, be a little bit higher than they are. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, what advice do you have for, for younger lady ballers, whether it's playing in college at a high level or trying out for the national team? Is there like one piece of advice you can give them or, or you would give your younger self? Um, I would say one of the biggest things that I've seen is really important for players is their ability to be coached. Um, and I think that sometimes, obviously it depends on the kind of coach that you have, how information is delivered to you and that can cause you to react in different ways but your ability to take information whether it's positive whether it's negative and internalize that work on it and perform on the field or maybe not on the field um maybe it's a, a something that you need to be doing in the locker room or with your teammates um but whatever it is being able to take something that's given to you um, and and make use of it, I think, is one of the most um, valuable assets that you can have as an athlete, um, because really a lot of what coaches are looking for is just that ability to be adaptable and to improve in different ways um, and take information and be able to, um, you know, not take it personally, not take it as a, as a kind of, you know, personal jab at you, but really just um, take it as, you know, the coach wants you to get better and they, they want you to, to be the best that you can um, and to take that and make yourself a better player. Um, and one of the main ways that I've been able to do that is watching film. And I know that it's like super cringy to watch film of yourself. I hate watching film of myself because you, as soon as it comes on, you see the one clip and you're like, oh, I know exactly what's going to happen. Yeah. Like I'm going to pass it right so to the wrong critical. person. <laughs> and you're like, you're like, oh my God, I know this is, this is exactly what I'm going to do. And it's so embarrassing, but like, 
it's also the best way to see yourself oh. and say, oh my God, this is exactly what happened. I remember how on the field that it happened. And now I've taken this picture and I've internalized it and now I know what to do. Um, I think that's one of the fastest ways to learn, especially during COVID times. Like you can't necessarily be on the field with your team or you're practicing by yourself, being able to watch film of yourself, being able to watch games or highlights of games. Um, I think if you look at my like YouTube, like recommended for you page, it's literally just random compilation highlights of <laughs> different people or different teams. Um, just because it, it is for me really helpful to actually watch compilation highlights of like a defender making tackles or making passes because sometimes they'll do things that you have never thought of. And so you'll be like, oh, I can try that. And then you go to practice and you try it and it works or it doesn't work and you can modify it for how your team works or how you, how you function. Um, but I think that being able to be adaptable and, and versatile is the most important thing as a player. I love that. That's great advice. Yeah, I haven't heard of anyone say, like, look up the compilation videos. I think that's yeah. Yeah, we'll have to look yeah. some. We'll have to look some up and and share some with people. But that's that's a great point. And also, it's great that like all the networks are replaying like major games too if they can't actually play. You know, so it's that's the one thing we all can do. Like if you're yeah. on the couch, you can watch yeah. soccer. <laughs> is there one? Is there one player that sticks out to you that you really like watching videos of? I I really like watching. Uh, Virgil van Dyke. I think he's a really good center back. Um, but also when I was younger, I loved watching Puyo. Um, and I think like the passion that he plays with in games is so contagious. And so it's fun to like watch his highlights because he's literally tossing his body in front of the ball and doing crazy things like that. But I think Virgil, I feel like is more me as a player. I feel like he's pretty calm and composed and, and um, I, I'd like to imitate uh some parts of of his game um unfortunately i will have to continue watching highlights because he's injured but um yeah i those are two players that i enjoy watching very cool well, all our center backs at home are gonna write that down and watch it now yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh guys should we end with some rapid fire yeah do it it's not that rapid it's medium we always medium say rapid, fire <laughs> all right i'm ready <laughs> what's your favorite cleats Campos, Nike Campos. Those are my favorite too. I love them. That's um, a classic center back. <laughs> mm -hmm. Pre-game meal. What's your favorite pre-game meal? Oh, um, I would say, honestly, I would say some sort of like chicken teriyaki rice bowl. Not like super heavy on the ch chicken teriyaki, but like some chicken, some rice. Throw in a bit of um, a couple of vegetables just real light real easy that's a great one uh lucky number uh when i was younger it was six so i guess six <laughs> yeah like would, would you change your jersey number right now if you could so the jersey number thing with the national team is really complicated so no I'm, i would not i just i'm i'm just happy that i have a jersey number that no one else like <laughs> is gonna come and take but like my first cap that gave me 17 because Tobin was injured and I don't know why they did that but I got reamed for it on social media and I'm like I feel like I remember that 
I'm like, like, guys, I swear, I, like, I didn't choose it. I didn't <laughs> want this. I didn't ask for it. That's literally <laughs> the of them to duty. That's crazy. Yeah, no, and, and sometimes sometimes they'll do that. Like, if, if a player's injured and, and a new player comes in, like, they'll, uh, like, you know, someone has worn, like, 13 before, which is Alex's number. And so, and but then, like, fans go crazy, and you're like, no, no, no. Like, the player didn't <laughs> ask for that number. Like, yeah. we promise we're not trying to steal it. Um, but. Yeah, no, my, my number at club right now is 26, and that was actually my number when I was younger, so that's why I have that. Um, but yeah, six was my number when I was, like, really, really young. This is what we mean by not rapid fire. Is that yeah, it's a conversation. <laughs> All right, sweatpants or leggings? Sweatpants. Okay. Favorite movie? Uh, Dark Knight. Ooh. Uh, current favorite song or artist? Uh... I really like um, Forrest. He's one of the artists of the duo that surfaces, um, and they're kind of getting big right now. But Forrest actually makes his own music as well. So um, he's one of my favorite artists. I couldn't choose one of his songs, though. Maybe. Ugh, that's really hard. I'd have to come back to you on that. I'd have to like literally go through my Spotify. <laughs> um, who's your favorite, te- favorite teammate on the national team to travel with? travel with oh um I'd have to say Morgan Brian because we were roommates a lot in uh France and we sit next to each other on the bus so I'd have definitely have to say Morgan nice what about favorite teammate to go out to eat with Ooh, uh I feel like Andy Sullivan and I would go out to eat a lot together because um, I feel like we have similar tastes in food and we also can appreciate um, desserts. There you we go. Both like, we, there both, go. we both like desserts. So. Who doesn't appreciate desserts? <laughs> Sometimes it's like, it's like, is it like, is it appropriate to get a dessert if you're at national team camp, like on your off day? Like, are you allowed to? But <laughs> we both, we both kind of vibe with each other and we're like, okay, yeah, like we can do it. <laughs> What's the favorite? Like ice cream, donuts? I I'm definitely a classic ice cream person. Um, I I really enjoy. That's passed down from my dad. He likes ice cream as well. His his dad liked ice cream, so <laughs> there you go. <laughs> nice. Um, who eats the similar style as you? Yeah. Right, right, and is able to enjoy the finer things in life sometimes. I feel like that's how me and Carly became friends. It, it was our our love of food. Most <laughs> and what about um favorite teammate to play with it could be training oh, it could be practice it could be game whatever you think i really enjoy playing with crystal um i think that she's super energetic um and really uh positive on the field and she also like always gives her all um and again she plays in a position that was not her first position and you know isn't her first position um in club but um i think she's a really great player to play with and she's also really hard to play against and so i always feel like i'm getting better if i'm playing against her i love that i think that's it right guys yeah Yeah. it's been really really awesome speaking with you i mean i i think you said a lot of things that a lot of lady ballers and a lot of the people in the audience can actually take a lot of notes on so Mm -hmm. thank you so much for your time yeah, no, thank you for having me, guys. This was just fantastic. It's so great to hear, like, like you know, I would have never known all these things about you. And I, like, it's like you were saying, we're, we're like, humanizing you guys. Mm-hmm. I know you say that, you know, the watching the players on TV is magic, but now you are, you are that player to 
an athlete now. So it, it's so cool just to get to hear your journey and like how real you guys are and, and your setbacks. Like I, I know failures are not fun, but it's like literally makes it, it makes you feel normal. Like you were saying, yeah. like these are normal people. So sharing your story and being so open about it is, is, is really awesome. I feel like so many people will appreciate that. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. And I, I love answering questions that always aren't, you know, the same questions over and over again, because I, again, as you said, I do feel like it humanizes us a little bit. Yeah. We had to ask the standards, but then we like to throw yeah. in the fun. <laughs> yeah. All right. All thank right. you so much. Have a great day. Thanks, guys. Yeah, Bye. you too. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.